0: Welcome to Real Life with Lily. My name is Lily Christensen. I have worked in the world of healers since I was 16 years old for over 30 years. I have a unique story filled with unusual gifts, amazing family and friends, along with a few horrific experiences filled with chronic pain and PTSD. The set of tools that I have and the processes that I've created emerged from my story and the work I have ceaselessly done to heal and to help others heal. Welcome to Real Life with Lily. Happy Thanksgiving! This podcast is number seven, entitled Gratitude. And podcast number seven is a special episode that I didn't originally plan to do. It just fits with the season of gratitude when everyone is thinking about being grateful. However, gratitude is much more than a short pause in our busy lives to remember all we've been given and all we've become. It's a tool for health, healing, focus, wisdom, attracting and appreciating the abundance all around us. It would be a shame if gratitude were only a -a once-a-year habit. Gratitude is a year-round superpower. (laughs) There are few healing, peace-giving, life-impacting tools, even of the most powerful ones, that can change the direction of our emotions, especially when we've experienced deep pain and devastating setbacks, than gratitude. It is a challenge to stop yourself in the middle of your darkest night without disregarding your hard reality or feelings and still acknowledge in gratitude all that you've been given. And what I've found is that at the very moment you acknowledge your blessings, the dark night lightens and the pain lessens and you see more clearly the larger picture of your life, even the good with the bad. To master this is a true superpower. I'm so grateful for the gift of gratitude. It is something that has saved my life. Have you ever tried to list 20 new things you're thankful for a day and do that for two weeks straight? (laughs) My life coach, Woody Woodward, challenged me to do something like this during one of the hands-down worst times of my whole life. Even so, I tend to be a positive person. Woody called me something like delusionally positive (laughs) or something like that. And so even with my world crashing down around me, I felt confident that I could find some good every day. The first day, you say how grateful you are for your closest friends and family members, and maybe you name them individually to get more mileage out of it. Then you mention the other big things that you're grateful for, maybe a house Clothes, food, friends, experiences that you're especially grateful for. But by the end of the week, you're finding yourself grateful for your corn puffs, or for the color of paint on your walls, or the smell of cool, damp air after a rainstorm, or maybe a feather of a bird that rocks to the ground gently after a bird flies by, or the sound of Grandpa's voice when he laughs or the last brown leaves of fall that stand out among the first snow flurries of winter. It's a powerful exercise. At the end of this podcast, I'm going to challenge you to try this. I'm also going to give you some fun ways to be more grateful as a part of your day-to-day lives. Some of the most amazing people I know make gratitude a part of their morning or evening routine every day. People who have learned to be changed by gratitude are some of my favorite people in the world. They tend to be the happiest people. They tend to be the most successful in their marriages and in their personal relationships and often in their jobs and their good fortune. And it isn't because everything just goes right for them. I've seen these very people lose babies or go through cancer seven and eight times or lose nearly half of their seven children or face job loss or insecurity for much of their career, or go through horrific divorce and rise again, or deal with crippling abuse, depression, loneliness, coming out of the closet to a less than understanding world, being judged for the color of their skin, or the job that they have chosen, or the accent in their voice, or being misjudged or mistreated in any other way. Each of these examples have personal and beloved faces connected to them. I'm not talking about small trials or trials that happen once in their life. These are people who face setback after setback and often massive trials while acknowledging their pain and suffering and also acknowledging their life in gratitude. Like I said in the beginning of this podcast, one of the magical moments in my life was also one of the darkest moments, when I learned to pause the turbulence in my soul due to injustice, pain or sorrow, and learned to pull back from the pain just long enough to put my trials in perspective, alongside of my blessings. And this was the first time that had happened. It's like being in a terrible car crash and everyone in your car is unconscious. And you look around in abject horror not knowing if anyone is even alive. You go into fight or flight and begin doing what you can for everyone. One minute, you're holding it together long enough to instruct gawkers to call 911. Then you're kneeling next to a dear friend who is lying in his own blood and trying to keep him awake so he won't slip into a coma. And the next minute, you're crying at the devastation all around you. And then someone moans in pain or screams. And then your future husband tells a joke and you laugh through your tears. Of course he's still making people laugh and making you feel better even though he's suffering so much. And in the middle of all the horror, you pause. Time slows down. You're very aware of your emotions and every sensation in your body. And you choose to see one good thing. It doesn't take away all the roller coaster of emotions. It doesn't stop you from passing out or getting tons of stitches or crying or panicking or needing to emotionally heal from the trauma. But it changes you and helps you to see one more good thing. Gratitude is a power that helps awaken us to the world as it really is. It helps us see all the beauty hand-in-hand with the challenges. It helps us connect more fully to our experience, to our loved ones, and even within our imperfect souls. The EMT has beautiful blue eyes. Or your friends are waiting for you at the hospital and at home with a stuffed Tasmanian devil in tow. Or your aunts are taking care of you and making you laugh. And your future father-in-law gets to the wreck site and calms you down with his kind reassurance that help and heaven is near. Even in the worst moments, there are pieces of light and kindness and blessings that help you to make it through. It might be as simple as rain that hangs on every needle on the evergreen tree. And when the sun happens to shine out, it turns the whole tree into a dazzling light show on the day that you can't handle any more horrifying news or a calming sunset to watch as the sky shifts from one palette of colors to the next, to the next, or a warm breeze in the Pacific Northwest in the dead of December that wraps itself around your soul, releasing a year of deep pain and reminding you that not all is lost. Each one of these things has either happened to close friends of mine or it's happened to me. And if you are aware and open and willing to let these things lift you, they will. Did any of these things make all the challenges go away? No. But being grateful for them and acknowledging them alongside of the challenges, even hand in hand with the challenges, made life that much sweeter and gave me that much more strength to go on. Gratitude is a game changer. Melody Bedia said, Gratitude turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos into order, confusion into clarity. It makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. Wow, that's crazy powerful. And I've seen it happen over and over and over in my life, in my grateful friends and family's lives, and in my clients' lives. I have found this to be true. Let me repeat that gratitude turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos into order, confusion into clarity. It makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates vision for tomorrow. This process of awakening and seeing life as it really is, through all of the marketing and media filters, cultural biases, and the fake, false, virtual reality that many want to believe is actually the real world, is a crazy huge challenge, and it might seem impossible. However, as we connect with one real tool like gratitude, or like forgiveness, or like meditation, or connecting to nature, or like learning to calm your soul, we begin to see more clearly what really matters, and what brings true happiness and peace. There is a book that I believe shows in beautiful detail this messy process of awakening, and trying to create something more out of your lives than the shallow, run faster, be better than the Joneses, do more, and feel like you're never enough society that we live in. This book that I'm talking about shows how learning to no longer take for granted everything important and how to be grateful for the most important things can lead to happiness, fulfillment, a connection to the earth and to the people you love. Have you ever read the unabridged version of Anna Karenina, by Leo Tolstoy. It's one of my truly favorite classics ever. It isn't my favorite because of the many luxurious lifestyles and pomp and style and grandeur of the elite Russian society, though Tolstoy does paint a glamorous picture of all that. Anna Karenina isn't my favorite because of the tragic life of Anna or her husband or her reckless lover or her neglected child. It isn't my favorite because of the glorious description of the times and the politics leading up to the Bolshevik Revolution and the changing atmosphere of the day, though I find that fascinating as well. The thing I love the very most about Anna Karenina is the very real relationship between Kitty and Levin that shines out in perfect realness against the backdrop of too many poor decisions, broken lives, recklessness, selfishness, and the gaudiness and grandeur of a society blind to what's real, blind to what creates lasting relationships, blind to the simple pleasures of human interaction and charity, and blind to true love. This society was blind to what lasts, what is satisfying for more than a one-night stand, and what takes all the heart and soul to build and keep alive for the rest of their lives. The contrast between Kitty and Levin's sometimes challenging but refreshingly real relationship and their desire to see their whole world, the good and the bad, and to remember the touch of the soil, the connection to their land and its people, their desire to work hard and sacrifice together and build a better world together with things that are real allows for them to have real and lasting happiness real love and these things shine brighter than the gaudy castle ballrooms the gold jewelry dripping from girls who never earned a finger blister in their lifetime the plush carpets and the ludicrously expensive fabrics the fake friends fake laughter could ever shine how did anna karenina find its way into my gratitude podcast you might be wondering I can't wait to tell you. <laughs> Besides the fact that I love this book, I've been fascinated for my whole life how someone who is raised one way can see through the false paradigms of their society to find a way towards things that are real, like Kitty and Levin do. They are raised with all the money and all the grandeur of that society, and yet somehow they found a path away from the fake into the real. How? How? In the book, you see both Kitty and Levin noticing fake, unreal, unethical, illegal, and just plain huge discrepancies between their ruling class and those who serve them. They begin to realize, as Tolstoy began to realize, how connected, how much good and hardworking and family-loving and ethical things they were missing in their society. They realized how shallow and unfulfilling their lives were, and how much they lacked by expecting everything to be given them while being so demanding and horribly ungrateful. Now, of course, they didn't simply wake up one morning and say, Oh my goodness, I'm a selfish and ungrateful being. Many challenges began shaking them out of their comfortable paradigm. But as they began to see it, even with the pain it caused, and even with the mistakes they made, they navigated their lives into a new space with more real, more hard-working, more aware of the world all around them, and more gratitude for the simple beauties of life. The simple things like true, messy, imperfect, and wonderful love, like true friendships with people who have your back and genuinely want the best for you as you do for them, like appreciating a gift given, a sunset, a smell of fresh plowed dirt, and the sweetness of freshly harvested fruits, vegetables, the value to their own soul of a full day's work, and appreciation for the hard work of others. Like I said above, I love Anna Karenina because it shows beautiful detail, the awakening process, and how to move away from the unreal, unfulfilling, fake world into the real, or radiates peace, enlightens or educates, makes you feel alive, and helps you to share light and become more light world. So how can you shift your life away from the shallow, run faster than is healthy, keep up with the Joneses, everything is about appearance, society? You see, we may not be in the middle of empirical Russia but these familiar expectations and corrupting values are tearing at the fabric of our society and homes and personal lives. How do we reconnect with things that are real? How do we slow down and breathe? How do we find joy in the most important things in life, like family, friends, nature, pure faith, peace, and calm? My entire apocalypse of light podcast is attempting to share answers to these questions. And even though this podcast is a special episode, simply connected to the season of the year in our culture, when people try to remember what they're grateful for, I am suggesting that gratitude is a life skill that is needed year round to combat many of the deadening and crushing false ideas of our society. Gratitude blesses you with a beautiful gift of contentment. Can you imagine if you were actually happy with your body? Happy with your relationships? Happy with your job? Happy with your family, your home, your lifestyle? Really, your excess of blessings? I'm not suggesting that being content We don't learn and grow and stretch ourselves in our lives to become our best. And I'm certainly not suggesting that not acknowledging abuse or not creating healthy boundaries is what we need to do. Please keep yourself safe and wise. I'm simply suggesting that our conception of what our life should be is often controlled by shallow image controlling, controlled by making money make us feel less than we are marketing agencies and others who don't have our best interest at heart. I'm suggesting that what is actually important and fulfilling and life-giving are real things like family, friends, nature, pure faith, peace, and calm. In a nutshell, the goal is to be able to eventually live the way this quote explains. Happiness cannot be traveled to, owned, earned, worn, or consumed. Happiness is a spiritual experience of living every minute with love, grace, and gratitude. Dennis Waitley Now I know some of you might be saying that I can have a lot of happiness traveling somewhere, owning something, earning something, wearing something, or consuming something. And that's true. There are times where those things can be happy. I think of times when my family has gone to Hawaii together. It cost money to do that, and yet it was an incredibly bonding and strengthening experience for a whole family with so much beauty and peace around. But the point is is that you can go to some place like Hawaii with your family, and if all you're focusing on is consuming and the look and the glamour, That goes away so quickly, but if you truly are grateful and happy and enjoy it, you can be in the most luxurious place and feel peace, and you can be in the poorest place and still feel that peace. I believe that if we can be grateful for what we have, we will be able to grow in all the most important ways, comparing ourselves to our old selves and not what marketing companies think we should be improving on. And learning to be content with what we have and who we are is a huge blessing of being grateful. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm going to challenge you to write down 20 things you're grateful for every day for the next two weeks. That is a list with a total of 280 unique things that you're grateful for at the end of two weeks. You cannot duplicate any one of the things you're grateful for. It might not seem challenging, however, I certainly hope it is, because that is how we grow. If you'd like to do more each day, feel free to. Please email me any aha moments that happen during this time to christensen at com. I'd love to hear. The two-week challenge is still only two weeks out of 52 weeks in a year. So how do we consistently have gratitude in our lives? I have some other powerful ideas that might help. Create or buy a journal or a notepad where you write down daily something that you're grateful for. It can be one word or a short story of something that happened during the last 24 hours. You can add quotes on gratitude or photos of things you're grateful for. Or you can create an artist's notebook or journal to draw or watercolor Mm. or use whatever medium you love best and draw the things you're grateful for. You can make a digital journal in your phone notes or on your computer or with your voice memos or video yourself sharing what you're grateful for. Or you can make a collection of things you're grateful for and use them to decorate your home or your car or your workspace to remind you of all your blessings. You could make something like a vision board of everything you're grateful for and hang it somewhere to remind you. I had a great grandma and a grandma and an aunt who have always sent birthday cards to their family and friends full of love and gratitude for them once a year. That's a beautiful way of showing gratitude to those you love. You could make a gratitude garden and add more beautiful flowers or plants representing something else that you're grateful for. There are so many ways of showing gratitude and making it a part of your life. Don't worry about doing it perfectly. Remember, it's not about perfect. It's about effort. And when you bring that effort every single day, that's where transformation begins. That's how change occurs. Jillian Michaels said that. Whatever you choose, challenge yourself to move into a space of gratitude every day. Truly, you will attract abundance and learn to be content and happy with what you have. You will learn to be grateful for the little things and appreciate your own improvements more. You will see through the fake marketing schemes and learn to love your life for the blessings and challenges to the point where there won't be so much of a distinction between the two. And the whole of your world will be all the more beautiful. AHA Moments. What are your aha moments this week? From any of my podcasts, or from something you just learned or realized, or something that inspired you this week? Send me an email at lmchristenson at live.com and I'll share as many as I can during the next podcast. Thank you for listening and for contributing. Until next time. Breathe, slow down a little, connect with what's real, roar at what no longer serves you and embrace your light connections. All my love, Lily.